Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. It is a beautiful day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe that I have a lot of hope that I'm going to have survived another winter. If you know me, that is not my season. And today in Charlotte, the birds have been singing and the sun has been shining. I even got out to my garden today and did a little bit of weeding, but more on that another day. Today, we're going to wrap up our series on love and we're going to talk about love's cost. I'll be right back. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project. A project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Okay, again, we have been in a series of three podcasts. We talked about Love's Covenant Love's choice. And today we're going to wrap it up with love's cost. Before that, we actually did a biblical definition of love. So you could actually put all four of those together in these series. But I really want to wrap it up today because we need to get back to a biblical definition of what does love cost? Because here's the deal. Contrary to the culture, love is not free, not biblical love. And not the love that we're invited to participate in in the biblical narrative. Not if we want to have the flourishing lives that God intends for each one of us. No, love by its very nature is sacrificial. And just to cut to the chase, spoiler alert, the cost of love is actually everything. 
So I hope you're not going to cut out after that revelation, but that's the bottom line. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that love comes at a very high cost. In fact, if we want to just get started, I've got a lot of scripture passages for you today, and you can go in and dig deeper. And I really hope that's what you'll want to do. The best Bible teachers I ever sat under did not answer all of my questions. The best Bible teachers I ever sat under and have continued to sit under are the ones that ignite and fan the flames of my passion for God and His Word and make me want to get in it and dig out the truths and seek the Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit's teaching so that I can apply it to my own life. There is only one truth in Scripture. It's not a thousand different truths, right? So this isn't what it means to me and what it means to you. This is about what it means, bottom line, right? And so I love the Bible teachers and the ones that have really ministered to me are not the ones that set themselves up as the answer. No, they're the ones that continually point me back to God and His Word. And so I'm hoping today as I toss out all of these different passages and their references that you will dare to get out your Bible Get out your concordance, look up some cross-references in your scripture, and really dig into what the truth of God's Word says, what it declares. And so we're going to start today just fundamentally looking at the cost of love, and we're going to start in John 3.16. Now, if you'll remember, John 3.16 is highly quoted Most people know this passage, or at least they have in years past, and it's in the core of this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Now, affectionately referred to as Nick at night, right? Nicodemus comes to Jesus at the undercover of darkness at night, possibly, probably because he didn't want to be seen associating with Jesus because Jesus had already become a controversial figure. And Nicodemus comes honestly, but kind of safely, right, under cover of darkness. He comes to Jesus and he's got a few questions. He's trying to understand, and it would be an interesting study for you to go through the biblical narrative, specifically in the four Gospels, and just study, look and see Study the encounters that Christ has with individuals. Who came to him? Who did he go to meet? What seemed incidental? What seemed intentional? It's a great study. But what we have here with Nicodemus is we have a man who sought Jesus out because he had some questions. So it says Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night. This is at the beginning of chapter 3. He says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know, so as though he's talking on behalf of others, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So at the very beginning of the conversation, Nick Ignite is saying, okay, so clearly you have come from God, right? That he he's already clear on that. And Jesus says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So right out of the chute, Jesus confronts Nicodemus with this fundamental truth. No one can come into the kingdom unless he's born again. And that really throws Nicodemus for a loop. He is really like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Whoa, what, what are you talking about? He says in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. And so Jesus and Nicodemus in verses 5 through, let's see, all the way down through 15, Jesus and Nicodemus are having this conversation about what exactly does it mean to be born again? And I'm going to let you chase that down on your own time. But you skip down to verse 4. 14, Jesus is speaking and he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So Jesus right here is laying it out for Nicodemus. He is saying right here in just chapter three of John, he's already foretelling that he's going to be lifted up. He's going to have to die, right? And then here's the famous verse that all of us know. When Jesus declares this, for God so loved the world. Jesus here is referring to God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what we need to see right here is definitively the love of God the Father was the gift of his son to die on Calvary's cross to pay our sin debt that you and I could never pay. That is love. Again, love is definitively sacrificial. What is the cost of love? It's everything. It's everything. Jim Elliott famously wrote in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. To gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott understood that for him and his fellow missionaries to dare to go in to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to a people group who were known to kill, Jim Elliott and his friends knew that it was worth it, that their lives were worth the gospel. They did not go in there blind. They did not die on those beaches naive. They were not speared to death, shocked and surprised that that would happen. They knew they went in knowing that it was a possibility, if not a probability, and they knew that it was worth it, that the gospel was worth it, that it was, love is, sacrifice. And we know all these years later, all of the benefit of those men willing to die for the good news of Jesus Christ has reaped an incalculable harvest of souls for the kingdom. They were willing to do that. Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here, Jesus is making it very clear that when we dare to sacrificially give our lives, live our lives as a fragrant offering to him, that's when we actually find life. That's what he's saying. Further, in Luke 9.23, Jesus proclaims, whoever wants to be my disciple must 
Must. Might, it, he doesn't say here, you might want to think about, you might want to consider, you know, it could be that you should. That's not what it says. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what it looks like to live for Christ. That's what it looks like to love. He paid Calvary's price, and he is our example. And then he says over and over and over in those three years on the planet of his ministry, right? From the age of about 30 to 33 when he dies on Calvary. During that period of time, he, he says over and over in several different ways, yeah, you want to you want to live and be my disciple, this is what it looks like. Stay tuned and we'll wrap this up. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories, and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. There's nothing in this world that He cannot do if we truly allow His love. We can do nothing without Him. Anything that we do apart from Him is not something that's permanent. We all need His grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen. All right, continuing on with what Jesus says and what we find biblically as our example of what love cost, we see over and over and over men and women who were willing, who were willing to pay love's cost. I have several examples here, not an exhaustive list, but I think of people who realized that there was nothing that they had, whether it was a hope or a dream or plans, expectations, desires, relationships, possessions, vocation, time, home, position, reputation. We're talking about men and women included in the biblical narrative who were willing to lay it all out for God. As a response to his love for them, in response, they were willing to just lay it all out for him. I think of Noah, who is asked by God to build a boat. He's invited by God to participate in the salvation for him, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, right? God is going to make a way 
for Noah and his family, Noah who was found blameless, God is going to make a way, but it's going to mean that Noah and his family are going to have to build an ark in the middle of nowhere and probably get made fun of for many, many years because they're obeying God. See, you and I, we like to skip to the chase of the Noah and the ark story, and we like the ark, and we like the two-by-two, and we we have maybe some of those on our shelves or books and stories about it, or maybe we decorate a nursery for a baby with that theme, but we forget the sacrifice that Noah made. He gave it all. His reputation, what people said about him, he devoted the rest of his life to do what God asked him to do. I think about Abraham. Abraham, God originally comes to him and asks him to leave what? Everything familiar. Yeah, I want you to leave. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And Abraham goes. And again, if you study the biblical narrative, the story arc of Abraham's life, it starts with God just inviting him to trust him enough to go to a place that I will show you. And you could easily say that it climaxes when God comes to him and asks him to do the unthinkable and take his son, his only son, and sacrifice him. And Abraham goes to do that. Because it says in Hebrews... That Abraham believed. Abraham believed God. And he's referred to in Scripture as the father of the faithful. We can talk about Moses. We can talk about Esther. We can talk about Ruth. We can talk about Peter and Jonah and Daniel and the other prophets and Stephen. And we can talk about all the specifics of what was the everything that they were willing to sacrifice in the name of love. Because that's what they did over and over and over. I want to kind of drill down for just a few minutes in Mark the 10th and 12th chapters and just look at some more specifics of of three little instances where we can see that the love's cost is everything. It's everything. And so we're going to start, and again, this is a story that is in three of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke include the story of the rich young ruler, and it's it may be familiar to you, but I'm going to pick up Mark 10 and verse 17. It says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran to him and knelt before him and asked Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So now don't miss this. This man, this young man is referred to as the rich young ruler. Clearly from the passage, from what it says in scripture, he was seeking out Jesus and he had an urgent burning question. And there's a level here that he got who Jesus was, right? So he sought him out and it says he, when he saw him, he ran, There was a sense of urgency about this question, and there's a sense of reverence. Do you see it? He ran, and he knelt. He knelt. Kneeling generally is is a sign of reverence, of respect, of honor, humility, right? 
So this young man comes to Jesus on purpose with a question. He's on his knees. It looks like he's teachable. It looks like he's come and he really wants to know. And so he asks this question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is the burning question. This is why he sought out Jesus. This is the whole point. He's on his knees and it would appear as though he really wants to know. And Jesus responds, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. So Jesus calls him on it. Okay, so he's asking him, do you really get who I am? Because you just called me good. And only God is good. So Jesus underscores the title that this young man has given to him. And then he says, you know the commandments. And he lists just a few of them. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the young man's still kneeling. I'm not sure. He says to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth. Woo. Really? I mean, now, now we've got sort of a contradiction going on. If he is in fact still kneeling on all the humility, then he's saying, oh yeah, no, I've got all that. I've done all that. There's a little bit of pride sneaking in here. If you ask me, I've done all that. He insists. He says to him, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Jesus, looking at him, felt love, the passage says. Jesus felt love for him and said to him. So don't miss this. Jesus sees him. He sees him. And this is Jesus' response. Hmm, one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Wow. Pretty straightforward. Not a lot of fuzzy there. There are five verbs I want to call your attention to. It's one of the most powerful things you can do in your Bible study, especially in the Gospels. Pay attention to how active Jesus is. Right here, we've got five verbs, five things that Jesus tells this young man. Look, you had a question. You asked me, I'm going to tell you. Five things. Go, sell, give, come, follow. Go sell, give, come follow. Verse 22. But at these words, the young man was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he had, he was one who owned much property. Man, that's just heartbreaking. Here he came with this urgent question I want to do whatever it takes, or at least it seems like that's how he's coming. He's coming intentionally, on purpose, willing to know. And Jesus sees him. Jesus sees him. And Jesus tells him. And yet, it's too much for the rich young ruler. It's too much. It says he's sad at these words. Those five words make him sad. Those requirements make him sad. Does it make you sad? Does it make me sad? That love's cost is everything? 
What is it exactly? We're not told in this passage that Jesus saw. Could Jesus see his heart? Certainly he could. There's other places in in Scripture, in the Gospels, where people were whispering or even just thinking something, and Jesus responds to just their thoughts. Is it then that Jesus saw his heart and saw the idolatry in his heart, that there was something there that was inhibiting the love, the cost of everything? Is that it? Just a a few verses later, I love this. Jesus goes on to say, it says Jesus looks around. There's no indication here that Jesus chased after the rich young ruler. He answered him. He saw him. He answered him. The rich young ruler walked away. And Jesus, it says in 23, looked around and said to his disciples, "Mm, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God? And it says the people were amazed. And then I want to skip down. And it says, Jesus said in verse um, 27, looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter, and you know how much I love Peter. Peter said this. He began to say to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. Now, do you you get this scene? You've got this rich young ruler that comes, wants to do whatever it takes, except he doesn't. Jesus is like, oh, man. It's hard for people who have too much to come to the kingdom of God because they get attached to their stuff. And Peter speaks up and he goes, Lord, we left everything. We left everything to follow you. And if you skip back a few chapters, when Jesus calls the disciples, it says they left their nets and their boats and they followed him. You know what? Peter was right. They did leave everything. They got who he was and they followed him. They followed him. They were willing to pay love's cost by leaving everything. And now I want to skip to another one of my stories. That's the second one I wanted to look at. First with the rich and ruler, then with Peter and Jesus. And now let's look over in chapter 12 of Mark, beginning in 14. And this is, this really is, if I had to, I had to put all of my favorite stories in the Bible in order, which would be incredibly difficult, and I'm grateful it's not required. This is really one of my favorites. Mark 12, beginning in 41, Jesus has been in the temple, and in verse 41 it says, He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. He just sits down to watch. I love that. Jesus sits down and watch pe- watches people come and give, how they give. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Jesus saw it. I mean, this is, this is just beautiful. All these people are coming and going in the temple. Jesus sits down to watch, and here's the deal. He knew she was coming, and he didn't want to miss it. He wanted to be right there 
When this woman came, he knew she was coming and he didn't want to miss it. And sure enough, she comes. And amid all the pomp and circumstance, amid all the posturing and all the other giving that was going on in the temple that day, he saw her. He saw her. And her two little copper coins that could not have made barely a tinkle as they dropped into the treasury. He heard this. And upon seeing her and hearing her gift, he calls his disciples over. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him. Because I'm, I'm guessing maybe they didn't even notice. May, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that this widow probably would have been easily missed. It would have been easy to have been in the temple that day and never seen her come and go. And yet, and yet, Jesus wanted his disciples to see. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put out, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. See, Jesus sat down waiting for her to come. She came. She gave everything. He saw it. He heard it. And she just went on her way. And her having given everything was her loving. It was everything. Because she knew she could trust God by giving that gift to him. And Jesus is like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Because radical love that God calls us to, radical love exemplified on the cross of Calvary, gives everything and trusts God with everything else. That's what we see on Calvary. And that's what we're invited to participate in. That's what we're invited to do every single day. I'm reminded of another story. Another one of my favorite stories is the feeding of the 5,000, right? And you've got all these thousands of people and the disciples are almost in a panic and they come and they ask Jesus, what are we going to do? You need to send them away because we can't feed all these people. There's not anything here. It's desolate. They're going to faint on the way. You need to dismiss the crowd. And, and Jesus says, what do you got? What do you have? What do you have to give them? And they find a little lad with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus just said, have him sit down. I mean, it's almost like Jesus is like, game on. Listener, one of the things that I'm struck by is that God never asks us for more than we have but he always asks us for all that we have, all that you have, all that I have. I look at Noah. He gave it all in his reputation. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Moses gave the last 40 years of his life. Esther risked her neck quite literally. Vashti had already been banished 
and she was willing. Esther says, if I die, I die. Because Esther dared to trust God more than anything else. Ruth told Naomi, where you die, I will die. She left her family and her country and everything familiar because of the God she had heard about through Naomi. The question for you and I is, what is it that we're reluctant to give to God? What cost seems too high? What is it that we hold on to? And we're willing to give everything, but not that, please, not that, not that, no, not that. Oh, that we would dare. Oh, that we would dare to give it joyfully. To dare to trust him enough with the very last thing we want him to require. The very last thing. Because whatever that thing is, we've allowed it to become an idol because it's displaced him. Our lives are not our own. He has given us our lives that we would live sacrificially and honor and glory to his name, that we would point others to him. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and to die as gain. To be able to live out the death that we're called to, that is gain. That we would live sacrificially. Jesus said in John 15, 3, Greater love hath no man than he lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus went to Calvary and laid down his life for you and for me. And he invites us to do the same for each other every single day. There's an old gospel hymn that many of you may be familiar with, and if you're not, I invite you to look it up. It's one of my favorites from my childhood. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. Daily live. It's an invitation to live this death, to live sacrificially, to remember that our lives are not our own. We're called to serve others sacrificially, to love sacrificially, not just when we're comfortable, not when we like it, not when it's easy, but when it's really stupid hard to let go of ourselves and sacrifice ourselves to the glory of His name. What is the cost of love? It's everything. And what do we gain? We gain the goodness of our souls. It is our sacrifice and the goodness of sanctification that we enjoy, that we bring honor to Him when we dare to love with reckless abandon. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. 
Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged and we need accountability in the word. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.